Hey again, and welcome to Molecule to Market, where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector. As always, I'm your host, Roman Garland. Today's episode, I'll be talking about the pharma and biotech supply chain and ecosystem with Manchu Gadgil, who is CEO at Enzine Biosciences. What a terrific guest we have in store for you today. Uh, Dr. Himanchu serves as CEO uh, at Enzine and under his uh, kind of services, Enzine has grown from a startup biotech to a multi-vertical, multi-site product development and manufacturing service provider-based pharmaceutical company. Prior to Enzine, he worked as the senior vice president at Intas Pharmaceuticals, where he was instrumental in turning around the commercial product pipeline by launching several biosimilar products in multiple geographies. Uh, during his time in the US, he led different facets of process and product development at Amgen, spearheading IND, BLA, and marketing or market authorizations of various blockbuster biotech products. At the inception of his career, he joined Waters Corporation, where he pioneered the development of QBD, enabling multi, uh, multi-attributable multi-attribu- methodologies for biopharmaceutical characterization. He holds a PhD in biochemistry from the University of Tennessee and is passionate uh, is a passionate scientific leader and innovator with over 50 publications and patents. A really, really great guest. And so if you enjoyed today's show, um, don't forget to, to subscribe, share and rate it. Himanchu, welcome to Molecule to Market. Thanks, Roman. Great to have you here. Excited to know more about you and Enzyme Biosciences. So let's let's start with your backstory, Himanchu. Let's you know, talk our listener through your personal journey. So how did you get into this sector and talk us through some of the kind of roles and milestones uh, that you, you've had along the way? I know, notice from some background research obviously you spent uh, you spent a big chunk of your early career here in in north america so great to hear kind of how you can your kind of journey to date yeah sure yeah you know first of all thanks roman for having me um you know so i started out uh for for a long period in my life especially school early college i was not really sure what i wanted to do one thing uh that was quite clear was that i was always curious about science and biology in general so I got kind of attracted towards that very early on in fact when I was in school this is like probably 9th or 10th standard we had this career counseling uh, thing going on and you know there was a the guy who was counseling us he, he spoke about genetic engineering and I thought hey this is cool you know it's like genetics plus engineering so that kind of stuck somewhere uh, in the back of my mind but uh, really I was not consciously uh, taking any efforts to get there in college uh, but I always knew I wanted to be in research so I pursued after my high school I pursued my uh, bachelor's in microbiology and then that's where the interest really started um, you know my my mother is a PhD in sciences herself she you know uh, was a professor back then and uh, she's the one who really uh, probably um in a sense, motivated me to pursue uh, a higher education in um, biology. And so after my master's, I came over to the US. I was in University of Tennessee, did my PhD um, in biochemistry. Um, And, you know, probably at that point, I really wanted to get into a full-fledged academic uh, kind of research, have my lab in, uh, in a university, get into more fundamental basic research. But 
um what happened at that time was uh, you know both me and my wife uh, who also has a phd in biochemistry we were in the same school and we were married and um you know we got pregnant so you know um as a postdoc you don't have a really good insurance so one of us had to get a job <laughs> <laughs> and she was pregnant so i was the one who had to get the job and you know that's when uh, we decided that maybe i should go and look for a industrial role which would give us a good insurance to cover our uh you know um our medicals right um and uh, you know that uh, pushed me to take uh, to look for jobs in industry uh, really that was the motivation more than anything else at that point um my first role was in what is micromass um you know where um you know we were developing a lot of i mean it was this was uh, early 2000s you know the field of biopharmaceuticals was actually in its kind of nascent sta- stage in terms of bio uh, pharmaceutical characterization and you know i first joined waters to do more proteomics so you know i had a background in proteomics by then but quickly transitioned into this uh, uh, biomolecule characterization role and um, you know couple of years in waters were great i think you know we did some really really good work um but again you know uh, actually my father was visiting us at that time and he's not really from um the science background so i you know he was trying to ask me hey what is it that you actually do i know you work for a company but what is it that you do and i was telling him that hey you know i work for this company we make technologies uh that are used to really uh, make sure that you have the best quality product uh and he's like what are these products so i was explaining to him uh you know about biopharmaceuticals and the you know kind of impact they've had on human health So he said hey this sounds pretty cool uh, but then why don't you go and work for the company that uh, makes these products right i mean i always also wanted to get into biopharmaceutics but that kind of was a trigger to say hey you know i mean um, why don't i really pursue that and then after that uh, you know i was at a uh, one of the conferences presenting the work that uh, i was doing at waters amgen was there and that's how i transitioned into amgen and i was with amgen for many many years right and um, you know it was like a the timing was such that the whole field was just about to explode in terms of what technology could do uh, to characterize these proteins and you know amgen was an incredible place really some of the best minds worked together uh, in pharmaceutics department while i was there and the whole group really transformed the whole field of biopharmaceuticals you know we were looking at um, you know protein structure chemical structural functional you know uh, with various different technologies what i was focused on at that time was mass spec and we were able to really identify to the most granular level different modification that exist on a biomolecule and a lot of times you know when we could go in look at a molecule and say hey there's a 0.05% of whatever oxidation we were able to come you know i identify we've published a lot of stuff on modification that were not known to exist in proteins right and um, you know rightly there were a lot of questions that were being asked and the questions were okay you have this but so what is this really good is it bad i mean should we be worried about it because proteins will have modifications i mean it's a natural thing to have and at that time usfda was really coming up with this whole keep qbd initiative we were looking at critical quality attributes how to do risk assessment i got involved in that um exciting times i mean super super times 
uh, and I was kind of very well settled. I mean, yeah, I'd moved to the US uh, to have a good life, and I was having a good life. I think you know, if you look at the American dream, I had everything except for <laughs> except for a dog, which I still don't have today. I mean, my son wants it badly, but he's <laughs> I'm like, hey, you know, I love dogs, but um, only if I'm not owning one because you know. Um, you need to really take care of your pet and you, the, the schedules are such that it becomes very tough, right? To give enough. I was going to say, get, get, given how long it's taken me to get you on the podcast, there's no <laughs> chance you're going to be able to look up dog. Before you continue, I mean, I was going to ask about why, why did you end up in Tennessee? What was the what was the link to Tennessee? Was it just the university? Was it the course? It wasn't. It's not the obvious place I would expect someone to relocate from, from India to, to the U.S. Yeah, you know, so those were very different types. My son is now applying for like grad school. Uh, he's also done his B-Tech and uh, Biotech. And, you know, now the world is very different. right? I mean, you get all information that you need online. Universities have their, um, you know, everything posted, deadlines and all of that. In 1996, when I was applying, you know, the internet was damn slow. I mean, and to get access to, you know, the world, WWW Worldwide Web was itself tough. And once you got onto a computer where, which was hooked up to the internet, it would take you like, I still remember, you know, I was searching for university pages and it would take almost 40 minutes back in India for the page to download. So the information was not readily available. So I was able to do some research, went to the libraries and, you know, looked at university information. I did not Funny thing is, I did not have my personal email at that time, by the way. I was, you know, after my master's, I was working um, in one of the labs uh, in a national uh, lab in Pune, India. And there was a common kind of a lab uh, email ID that we all used, okay? At that time, people used to use fax and even the snail mail, which today, I mean, I, the other day I was trying to send some a fax back to, uh, I think, one of the banks here. And uh, we were not able to find a fax machine in Pune. And I don't think anybody uses a fax. But at that time, that's how communication happened, right? So after looking at all the grad schools, you know, I was writing emails to get information. I had applied to a few other schools. But I think um, uh, Dr. Peter Ewan, who was at that time the uh, admis admission coordinator for University of Tennessee, he was really kind and he, you know, he responded back and, um, and you know, as I was searching uh, for labs, I think I wanted to do signal transduction research. At actually, at that point, and there were some really good labs. You know, uh, Professor Harry Jarrett's lab where I ultimately ended up doing my PhD. I had done some great work in Calmodulin that I was interested in, uh, and that's why I wanted to uh, get to um, you know apply to University of Tennessee. But I actually, what really helped is. Um, that I started getting response in terms of what the process is, what is required, uh, etc. Which otherwise, I mean, right now it's probably almost impossible to imagine how difficult it uh, was back then to get all the information. But but at that time it was tough, uh, Raman. I mean, it was very difficult to um, get information about the universities. And I think uh, University of Tennessee folks really uh, did a good job in terms of responding back. Uh, and that's how I ended up being there more than anything else. And, um, you know, um, it was a great experience. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think that was the reason, really, why I ended up being there. And you obviously, you spent uh, seven years at a great time at Amgen, as you mentioned. And my assumption is you presumably 
went to the West Coast uh, and, and worked for Amgen there. And then, am I correct in, in thinking that you then moved back to India then for your next role? So what, talk us through that decision because that's a, that's a pretty unusual step that I see. You know, I, I see a lot of you know, my time in, in the US and in Canada here is, you know, once people come here to North America from wherever they are in the world, it tends to be, they tend to build a life for themselves. And I'm thinking of, you know, you obviously got into the biopharma sector at Amgen, you had a young family. I assume you were starting to settle. So what was, what was that decision like to move back to India at that, that phase of life? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was in the, and it's such a great country. I mean, it's an incredible U.S. is an incredible country, really, you know, full of opportunities. I was living here for, all, I mean, in the U.S. for almost uh, 14 years, uh, you know, before I moved back. And as I was saying, you know, I was living the American dream, except for a dog. Um, name it, I mean, picket, you know, house with a picket fence, all of that, right? Um, you know, at some, anytime you, you migrate from your home country away, you know, you always have something inside you which says, hey, I want to go back one day, right? I mean, that was there, but there was no immediate need for me at that point, you know, like, I mean, I, it was, life was great, uh, even professionally, a lot of good stuff, as I said, Amgen is an incredible company. Uh, but you know, what happened is, uh, one day, suddenly, my father, uh, I got, actually, you know, I, I was chatting to my uh, cousin at that point, and she said, hey, you know, you know, you know that, um, you know, my, my dad, she said, is unwell. I said, hey, what, what happened? And then I realized that, um, you know, he he got internal bleeding. At that time, cause was not known. And suddenly passed away. I mean, within uh, almost 24 hours or so, 24 to 34, wow. 30 hours after he got sick. Was, this, I, your, was I, this your, sorry, was this your, your father dad, or your uncle? My dad, sorry, my maybe. father, my father, dad, my father, sorry, my okay. dad. Yeah, my cousin sorry had that. informed me about this. Um, yeah. That was tough. I mean, I'm the only child and, you know, losing my uh, father like that very suddenly. I mean, it happened so suddenly. I could not be there for his last rites either. I mean, I had booked my ticket when I knew that he was not well. But I knew it would take me, you know, three, four days to get back. So they did the rites and I went back and essentially what I got of my father were ashes, right? And uh, it was a... I mean, probably one of the most powerful experiences of my life, really, in a sense, right? From a perspective of, um, you know, experiences that alter the course of, of one's life. And um, so, you know, I was back there, uh, as I said, I'm the only child. And and then we started settling his uh, medical bills. And I was going through his medical bills and trying to, you know, pay back people who had at that time in the hospital, you know, paid for the bills, etc. And um, realized that he was giving medicines that Amgen made, uh, which were not even prescribed for what he had. And these were like the, you know, biosimilar versions of that. And that changed something inside me. You know, I mean, first of all, I'm the only child. So, of course, I wanted to be uh, closer to my mother, not because she needs me really, because, because it became my need really. But then what happened is as I was settling the bills, I realized, you know, what I have had learned at that point in Amgen probably had a bigger meaning if I had moved, if I moved back to India, right? I could offer back a lot more uh, by doing that. And um, so that experience really pushed me to 
uh, move back, uh, Raman. You know, after I came back to Amgen, it did not make sense for me to continue to stay in Amgen when you know my own father at that time and on his in during his last moments was given medicines that he was not supposed. So he had dengue, by the way, and his platelets had dropped, and you know he was giving medicines which actually you know Amgen had pioneered and. Versions of those were then made by companies in India, and I was like, okay, you know, I have learned uh, product characterization at the highest level. I want to go back and contribute. I want to go back and make sure that there is a quality built into medicines that are made in India, and and that really um, was the reason why I decided to move back. And within a year and a half after my father had passed away, I was back in India. Well, thank you for for sharing such a personal story and Manchu, because I'm sure that was a very a difficult time for you. But it kind of you know test of your character, but also you know great for you to recognise that you could add value back to your home country in a way after seeing what your father uh, had been through. And so obviously you returned back, and I believe you worked for for Intas Biopharma for a few years before joining. Enzyme Biosciences. So, talk us through, talk us through the kind of time at Intas, and then ultimately, what what brought you to Enzyme? What was that that decision like? Yeah, so you know, um, as you could imagine, if anybody who has experience in Amgen, which even today is probably the top pure play biotech company, right? Um, from there, from that ex- that experience is quite desirable. So. Uh, when I started looking for options in India, I had pretty much most of the Indian biotech companies. Uh, I probably had an offer uh, from them. But I, at that time, what I realized was that Intas, um, somehow con- I could connect uh, to Intas. You know? So I was um, I was interviewing a couple of times. I had visited them. They, they, they had made some early progress in making these um, you know, biosimilars for smaller proteins but probably were at a stage where maybe there was a little bit of a struggle to move up to the monoclonal antibody platform which is probably the most common modality so they had a lot of good things in place and i i thought i could really come in i had a lot of experience gained not just in amgen but even in waters before that right so i thought i could that could easily translate to what intas probably needed at that time and actually you know um what in during one of the visits uh or one of the interviews uh, in Intas, uh, you know, I met with Dr. Rumi Stuttgar, who's uh, one of the um, uh, promoters or o- owners of, of the company. And I was telling him my story. He asked me, why do you want to come back? And I said, hey, this is why I want to come back. So he said, hey, why don't you go and visit? He runs a blood center, which is completely not for profit. Prathama, he said, hey, look, uh, you know, my father needed platelets at that time, right? He had dengue and he... He took me there, showed me how uh, they were doing, um, you know, how the blood bag was contributing towards uh, uh, platelets and a lot of other things. And I thought, you know, that I connected to that purpose of Intas also. So I joined there and I was able to contribute. They had the right infrastructure, needed just a little bit of tweaking with the experience that I had. We were able to launch six, seven biosimilars in India. Uh, I helped them registered uh, register one of the products which they had worked on even before me uh, but it was at the stage where it needed somebody with the experience that I had to take it through to the next level so we launched uh, we were able to register and launch one of their biosimilars in Europe at that time that was the first biosimilar 
um, from India that got registered in a regulated market like Europe. Uh, you know, so it was good. I think Intas was great. I've learned a lot there. Actually, I'm very thankful to that uh, experience as well. To be honest, you're listening to Molecule to Market, where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector. The podcast for professionals working in the pharma and biotech contract services space. If I've understood correctly, um, your role at Amgen was was very much on the technical, scientific side and. Intas looked to me, your time there looked to be a, a bit more of a broader commercial role that covered, uh, uh, I suppose, uh, uh, had a broader remit than what you were doing at Amgen, which is understandable given the size of Amgen. So, yeah, if that, you know, assuming that's correct, what was what was that experience like then, where you went from, you know, being certainly more on the technical side to being still technical, but certainly, presumably, you had greater responsibility and uh, probably learning areas that you'd never been involved in before. Yeah, you know, like they say, Raman, you know, I mean, until you jump in the water, you don't know if you can swim or not, right? <laughs> so it was like that for me. I think it was actually, like you rightly pointed out, it was a big shift from a purely technical role into more of a, you know, broader role, Let you know, in Intas, right? But there were so many things that were changing too, right? I mean, I uh, had worked, my entire professional life was in the US, which is culturally very different than what uh, it is in uh, India. Um, everything was, I mean, it was just complete, like a 180 degree turn for me, right? Uh, from role perspective, uh, from cultural perspective, from moving back to India perspective. And so I, the best advice that I had received at that time, you know, you know, I used to talk to people, about, uh, you know, what the challenges would be. And one of the advice that I got was actually two advices. One of my boss from Amgen used to say, hey, you know, you're not moving. Uh, when you want to move back home to your home country, it's not that you want to move back to the place. You really want to go back to the time, which does not exist, right? Uh, that was one advice, which was very interesting. The other advice was, hey, you know, just start with a blank slate. Just because you grew up in India doesn't mean you know about it, right? So I completely went there. Uh, with a bank, blank slate. I, I think what was very important is to unlearn what I had learned in Amgen. I think that unlearning phase was very important uh, because, um, because again, it's everything was new. And quickly unlearning and starting with the blank slate probably allowed me to just absorb a lot of stuff that was coming my way in this new role. That's the terrific... Um... Terrific learning. I think a lot of people could take that uh, and apply it to different aspects of, of, of their own life, which is which is great. And and let's talk about Enzyme and Enzyme Biosciences. You know, you've been there for for almost nine years now as the CEO. Give us let's start with a bit of an overview of the business and you know, tell us about the company, what you guys do, uh, and what what makes you different. Just to kind of you know, obviously the capabilities and the different breadth of services that you guys offer. Yeah. So just to take that thread forward from Inta. So it was, again, a really good experience, uh, very satisfying in terms of being con being able to contribute, launching products for the Indian market, because that was the purpose for me to move back. So I think it was very fulfilling, right? But then I was thinking um, it, that it would be great to be able to start something from scratch um, from a perspective of building culture. I mean, um, I was driven by... Uh, wanting to launch products. I mean, even in Amgen, I was associated with many blo blockbusters. Um, you know, I was part of the team there. But um, 
smaller contribution, but uh, definitely I was part of many uh, great molecules that Amgen launched, coming back to Intas, being able to make biosimilars, having more of a um, leadership role in having these products launched in India. So it was all great. But then I thought, hey, you know, uh, beyond that, I think there was something I felt I that I could contribute towards and that was to build a culture. And when I was having such a moment, right, when you sometimes reflect back, that's when my phone rang. Generally, again, I used to get a lot of calls from recruiters, but I just thought the timing was very interesting. And, um, you know, this was an opportunity to really take over Enzine. Uh, Enzine uh, is a subsidiary of another big uh, Indian pharma company called Alchem. Uh, and... Uh, so I said, hey, you know, maybe the timing is suggested, suggesting something, right? Uh, so I, I kind of uh, explored that. I met Sandeep uh, Singh, um, you know, who's the MD of Alchem. And I think, you know, they are a pharma giant, really. They're not, they don't probably speak as much about themselves as some of the other companies do. But they've been an incredible uh, pharma company in India with kind of similar uh, purpose to what had brought me back i think they want to make these generic molecules available i mean if you look at their medicines and the reach of alchem's medicine to small corners of india it's incredible what they do um but sandeep was very clear that he wanted to diversify get into newer stuff and we started talking and i really connected right away i think you know i felt um that this would be a great opportunity one of the things he mentioned was that while Alchem wanted to get into biotech, he was very clear that it had to be um, run as a as an independent company because, you know, Alchem uh, is an extremely successful pharma company. And when you are successful, you know, you it's very difficult to incubate something within that framework, which has its own culture, which has as a, as a separate company, right? I mean, that was my struggle when I was in Intasburg. In Alchem, the opportunity was to start something from scratch, uh, more so to do from a perspective of building a culture. So I took took that uh, opportunity up and, um, you know, so we really uh, started looking at what we wanted to do. And, and the first thing that we did was we created our value, vision, mission. Everybody who was in NZ at that time, um, you know, the 20 of us, including Sandeep, we all got together and discuss what is important, what is meaningful for us. And I think, you know, that's where we really uh, built our... So the great thing about Enzine is the vision of Enzine um, vision statement is not any one particular individual's vision statement. It's people who were there at that time said, okay, let's get come together and say, what do we want to do? Yeah, I mean, we want to build a biotech company that is based on innovation, right? So I think ultimately what came across and... You know, from a perspective of building a culture, uh, what I wanted to do, uh, and this became more clearer as we reflected upon this as an exercise of building the vision for Enzine was that we wanted to build a platform for innovation, okay? And um, in India, and, and you know, when I see that, there is a little bit of maybe patriotic sense, but more about really solving problems that are relevant to, uh, that are relevant locally, right? Um, and we believe, as at Enzine, I believe very strongly that some part of innovation has to be local because unless you understand the local problems, you know, you cannot solve them. And in India, like, or any other country, really, you can't expect somebody from outside to come and solve problems for India, for example, right? I mean, if 
leprosy is a big disease or if tuberculosis is or affordability of medicines right if those are the issues that are prevalent that are facing the country then or that the country is facing then you cannot expect somebody from outside india wherever that is right to come and solve it and so we thought we wanted to build a platform for innovation and uh, contribute back towards society contribute back towards healthcare through that innovation but it was very clear that was not on that we were not thinking at that point that we want to make products we but what we were thinking was we want to build something that is innovative and using that start contributing okay so that is how enzyme started and you know i was by that time i had worked in the field for a very long time in the top biotech company um in the world and by the time i had left intas it was actually at that point the top biotech company in india right from then it was enzyme was just a, a at the starting phase right but it was very clear at enzyme that we did not want to repeat what say intas had done or any other biotech company in india had done in terms of getting the technology from the same places and make a biosimilar because that did not really add any value back i mean there were already 10 15 companies at that time who had been doing biosimilar development biotech development in india for 15 20 years um right and they had invested in infrastructure invested in technology so if we wanted to be be the 16th company and use the same technology we really did not it did not really make sense because we would not be able to disrupt the affordability barrier by doing it okay because the biggest problem to solve in indian healthcare when it comes to some of these cancer medicines when it comes to some of these advanced medicines is how do you make these medicines affordable to the masses in india right uh because the socio economics is such that an uh, you know average household in uh, income in india is you know um per month okay is around uh 10000 rupees or less which is um 150 dollars okay per month now if you have these treatments that can save your life right you get uh, like we launched a product rami plus them which was uh which actually increases platelets uh and in some conditions like itp platelets are low so it's a silent disease your platelets are low you can function but if you have internal bleeding it can be fatal and often lead to death a single injection of rami plus them brings platelets back up okay but it costs $2000 now there's a medicine out there you have a disease this that is potentially fatal and deadly there's a medicine out there comes in a vial $2000 per vial that can save your life but you cannot afford it right and that access to such kind of medicines in india providing that i think that something that was very very important for us and we wanted to look at technology that allowed us to really disrupt this cost of goods barrier make these products more affordable to indian patients and that's how we started thinking about continuous manufacturing at that time uh you know this is almost 9 years back it's amazing how much time has uh passed by um we wanted to do things differently we wanted to innovate we just did not want to be a meetech uh, you know biotech company me to biotech company another b2 biotech company in india and um that did not have any purpose really we really wanted to differentiate ourselves that's why we came up with this continuous bio uh continuous manufacturing we became one of the first movers globally to actually develop this platform 
and the advantage is it significantly reduces cost of goods in a very small plant you can actually manufacture kilograms which means your investments that go into setting up a plant are also lower uh, and and then you can pass those benefits down to patients right uh, so that same robiplastin product we've launched in india and we transfer it to our partners for less than 1000 rupees which is less than 15 dollars uh, you know that's the impact that we make uh, by creating uh, access for these life saving med- medicines through innovation through technologies uh, we are globally one of the first movers in in this and now what we are trying to do is um, we are trying to transplant that same platform back in the us that's why i'm here in new jersey we are speaking about this earlier today um to set up this manufacturing plant because we feel that um the innovation that we've created has a big bigger value not just uh for india but even even in other geographies to address uh cost of these uh medicines uh so while we continue to have products we've seven biosimilars now launched in india uh the platform is also very useful for novel biologics we already have um you know a lot of um global partners for whom we are making clinical material using this platform um and in this journey what we realized is you know while the problem to solve in india was uh access to uh medicines in terms of affordability the problem to solve in the us is providing access to manufacturing i think us has probably 90% of world's novel early stage molecules right uh in universities uh, you know or, or you know offshoots of universities smaller biotech companies uh, but uh, these great molecules uh, that are in the lab find it difficult uh, to have a manufacturing partner right because most of the larger cdmos are catering to the larger pharma we feel there is a there's a requirement to have local manufacturing in the us we have a platform that is very compact so it can easily be reproduced anywhere and so we are setting it up right now so that we can cater to these early stage companies that have beautiful assets that struggle to find a cdmo and and often they have to go offshores and anytime you go offshores there is a challenge right i mean there is a language barrier time zone barrier supply chain barrier cultural barriers and so we want so we want to create that access to uh, early manufacturing for these assets in the us so that's that's what we are aiming to do right now and hemanshi if i i mean what what a journey that you've been on it's in, it's incredible nine years or so and you've obviously built a very successful business that catered for the local market in in India and has managed to obviously launch several biosimilars that will you know brought down the cost of the goods and actually access to patients in India which is genuinely fantastic and if i've understood correctly then you've decided to take that same formula if you like but bring from a manufacturing perspective uh, particularly all continuous manufacturing technology uh, you know bring that to the US in your new uh, facility which i believe is going to be operational in the summer 2024 and effectively provide that that as was technology which has been so fundamental to the launch of your own drug products to companies in the US is that a fair is that a fair assumption a fair so not for some fair reflection sorry of of what you guys are doing which is fantastic if i've understood it correctly yeah raman that's 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 a fair assessment so you know what we realized that was that we have a great platform we can make products and launch them in india and we've, we've done uh, we've done that reasonably uh, decently 
But we thought if we are able to give access to that platform to anybody who really wants it, uh, you know, uh, that's a greater use of the platform. There's also commercial value in terms of doing that. So with that thought in mind, we started building this uh, CDMO vertical within NZ. We've done a lot of uh, work for our uh, clients, many of whom have been based in the U.S. Uh, we've actually manufactured clinical material that has been tested in patients in the U.S. and in other countries. These are all novel biologics uh, that we help our partners uh, develop. Uh, and so now uh, we want to bring that platform to the U.S. So, you know, the great um, early stage companies, smaller companies in the U.S. can be supported locally really for their manufacturing and development needs. Yeah, which is fantastic. And, and you know, by reading up in advance, you know, investing over $50 million in a new manufacturing facility near Princeton uh, in New Jersey, 55,000 square foot uh, that we hope is going to be operational in this summer, which is uh, very exciting for you personally, but also the business. So let me ask then, if you, as you reflect back on taking the role, you know, nine years ago uh, and the business, would you have ever envisaged the scale and growth of Enzine in that time? You know, if looking online, you know, hundreds of employees, uh, you know, obviously great success in India now kind of coming to North America to, to grow a CDMO arm of the business. Do you ever reflect back on what you've been able to achieve? You know, it sounded like you rolled, you rolled the dice a little bit and, you know, had some faith in, in deep in the conversations that you had, but it's a, it's an incredible success story that you've had at NZ. You know, if I have to reflect back, uh, Raman, um, I felt we could, I mean, if, I don't know, I mean, it's very difficult to know uh, what at that point I, you know, what, what we would be thinking, I would be thinking, right? But I think the right things were in place, you know, and it cannot be uh, stated enough how much Alchem has supported, right? Because of what happens, you know, with a lot of great early stage small companies, you know, if you don't have the the financial muscle, you may have a great idea, you may have a great product, you may have a great technology, but if you don't have the financial muscle, it becomes... Um, you know, I think you have you end up spending a lot of your bandwidth uh, just managing that. Now, one of the greatest things that happened for Enzine was, you know, we were kind of, you know, we are standing on shoulders of an Indian pharma giant, and they, and you know, I think the the financial part of it, um, we did not have to struggle as much. Of course, there would be right questions asked and justifications that we had to give for the capital that we were raising. But it was not very stressful, you know. So that part of it was taken care of. We built a strong culture that allowed us to uh, attract some of the... Uh, we really have some of the best talent, really, um, uh, with us. You know, we are a people-centric company. We've built our culture. So, you know, in the first couple of years after we started this, I think we all felt that there was something good... I mean, if I were to use this word special that was happening... Uh, in NZ because of all of these things coming together um, and so yeah I think we knew that this would succeed I think there were a lot of good elements uh, in place um, which uh, you know which probably meant that with a little bit of luck and you always need luck look I mean without that um, 
nothing succeeds is is my opinion right and we we were fortunate on a on a few occasions and um and i think we stuck to our gun i mean we you, sometimes when you're c- coming up with a innovation based platform anything that is new you have to be prepared to fail and i think i think we were resilient in our failures and and once that happened we we knew that we probably uh, would be able to um you know get these products out in india you know we we knew we had a technology platform that could be used for supporting clients so i think after the first couple of years we thought that uh, you know uh, we were quite quite confident in a sense that you know something good would come out of nz and it certainly has and you know if i rewind back to the tragedy that you faced in your own family i'm sure your father and your family you know would be would be incredibly proud of the the impact that you had and have had in in the time at NZ in particular in, in India been obviously bringing that to to North America now which is very very exciting and we've got a few minutes left Himanshu and I wanted to kind of cast our eye on the future you know we're, we're recording at the back end of 2023 you know we look ahead to 2024 it's been an interesting few years for our sector obviously you know the, the sector has continued to grow more outsourcing you know, biologics boom and then COVID has added to that, but you know the sector has also faced some tricky times in the last year. You know, biotech funding has been has been limited, and you know, kind of COVID come down is is happening as well. Talk to us about how you envisage the kind of next couple of years shaping out, and I suppose if I look at what you guys do in terms of uh, almost pitching yourself as a, a cost effective, efficient biomanufacturing option for smaller biotech companies it sounds like you're going to be in the right place at the right time <laughs> but i might be i might be uh, jumping the gun there so i'd love to hear about how you're thinking about the next couple of years and how enzine is, is positioned to take advantage of, of what might happen in the market yeah you know um the whole the funding cycle psych- funding in biotech is always cyclic right i mean it goes up comes down over a longer period you'll see it always always will continue to rise and that's because look i think biotech has a potential to to directly impact human health and you know that's beyond everything else i think that's probably the number one need that we have as a as a as humanity itself right so as long as human beings are there i think biopharma biotech particularly will continue to grow there'll be cycles um and you to, any any company really has to be resilient to kind of go through those cycles i think we i feel you know you should always invest in capex during the downturn because that allows you to then um you know use that time to set up your infrastructure set up your processes systems manufacturing plants and then when things start to look up which i, I what i'm hearing right now in terms of just the capital influx scenario i think it's the there are green shoots now so we may be seeing a turnaround in terms of the early stage funding in biotech uh and i think we are prepared so you know in the next 8 months or so uh, the team is going to be uh incredibly engaged and when i say engaged it means there's going to be a lot of hard work to get the us site up and running we don't have a direct experience in setting up we've set up a lot of uh spaces manufacturing as well as r&d in india but we've not done that in the us so we are new to the us so there's going to be some learning uh which is what excites a lot of the team team members 
Um, and, you know, by next summer, uh, we'll have the plant up and running. We already have visibility in terms of some partnerships that we've already signed for manufacturing contracts here for the U.S. So we already know that the first, uh, you know, we already have capacities that are booked for 2024, um, you know, almost 50, 60% of our initial capacity. I believe once we have it up and running, it'll allow us to, um, you know, then expand just like we've done in India. Um, and, you know, I, I, I am quite confident that we are going to replicate the model that we uh, had in India. We started with a 20,000 square feet facility. And today we have, you know, more than 200,000, 300,000 square feet um, built up R&D, manufacturing, GMP facilities in India. You know, we are starting out small in the U.S. right now with a compact footprint. The advantage of continuous manufacturing platform is that even with a small footprint, we can manufacture, uh, you know, 10, 20 kilograms per month. Um, so, you know, we should be able to provide uh, high quality, uh, high amounts of early stage product to our partners and and then expand from there i think there's a huge i mean us all is a land of opportunities there are going to be huge opportunities if uh, you know for us um, once we are able to uh, get our footing in the us uh, and um, and and it's it's a it's a great model because we have almost 1000 people back in india uh, so we have built that kind of a safety net if you will or a buffer a support system uh, where we can always lean back on that, uh, you know, if we need to to get some of the work propelled forward for the U.S., so it allows us now to have that little bit of that safety. Uh, and um, I think, look, there are going to be challenges. We'll have to be resilient. Uh, but once we get that, um, you know, our manufacturing uh, qualified, uh, get some of those early uh manufacturing batches done i think we'll be off the blocks and after that um i believe we are going to replicate the the same kind of growth that we had in india even in the us i'm sure that's going to happen and what a one exciting time for your team your organization and uh you can sense the energy in your voice and the kind of passion for what what you do at Enzine, and it's going to be uh an exciting year ahead i suspect and, and beyond and imagine that uh that brings us that's a great place i suppose to end today's uh kind of conversation on a on a positive note in terms of the green shoots and the kind of opportunities that laid out to your business that i'm sure you will take advantage of and you know continue to grow and recruit in jersey which is exciting as well for, for that region so thank you for uh, taking time out your schedule and being a guest on molecules market Thank you so much, Raman. Really enjoyed uh, speaking with you and uh, much appreciate your time as well. And that was Himanshu Gadgil, who is the CEO of Enzyme Biosciences. Uh, what a high energy, clearly very smart guest that we've had on today's show. I really hope you enjoyed uh, the episode. Uh, certainly some of my reflections were just his personal journey to the US and building a life for himself and his family and uh, I suppose his honesty around uh, how that kind of personal tragedy, the story he told about his father, led him back from the US to India and and that you know ultimately led to him thinking about his own purpose in life and, and, and making 
an impact on the kind of local healthcare environment in India, which he clearly had and in, in, has done since, you know, having shifting from a technical to commercial focus, adding TAS and being there to help launch several biosimilars, which no doubt would have had a huge impact on patients throughout the market in India. And then, so he's moving on from that. What an interesting business he has been involved in uh, starting and building at Enzyme, you know, a business that's uh, almost a biotech spin out of a big pharma company, kind of that uh, I love what he said, you know, it stands on the shoulders of an Indian pharma giant, but it's kind of allowed to, you know, utilize the financial power of the pharma giant, but get on with its own business. And in doing so, it's obviously been hugely successful, uh, hundreds of employees across India and building a a very cost-effective continuous manufacturing uh, platform that's led to several more launches. And and then you're obviously building on from that, you talked about uh, the CDMO vertical that they've developed to help other biotech companies. Ultimately, that's led to the company's announcement to uh, build a new facility in New Jersey uh, in the US, which I think is, is a very exciting and well-timed uh, launch for biotech companies that are cash constrained and want to find ways of developing novel biologics in a more cost-effective way, which it sounds by what Himanshi talked about is exactly what their platform is designed to do. It's certainly a business to watch, I would say, and uh, what a what a fantastic guest. And uh, given their US growth, I do think Enzine could be a, a company really want to watch for the future. Certainly have a look on enzine.com. I'm sure Himanshu won't mind if you get in touch with him as well directly through LinkedIn. Yeah, so thanks as always to my team. Thanks to you for listening. Um, If you enjoyed today's episode, uh, please share it, uh, like it, give us a kind rating. Um, And if you're out and about at any events early in uh, 2024, give me a shout. It'd be great to meet in person. If you've got any suggestions for guests as well, we always love to hear them. So yeah, hope you enjoyed the show and I'll see you again very soon. Hi again. Thanks for tuning in to today's show. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. For more shows, have a look on Spotify, Apple or Amazon, wherever you like to listen. And do make sure that you subscribe so the next episode comes direct to your device automatically. And please get in touch via our website, uh, Molecule to Market Pod, or via LinkedIn or Twitter. We love to hear from you. So if you have a guest that you want to suggest or someone in your organization that you think would make a great guest on Molecule to Market, then please let us know. We'll see you very soon. You're listening to Molecule to Market, where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector. The podcast for professionals working in the pharma and biotech contract services space. Molecule to Market is sponsored and funded by Remarketing, an international content, digital and design agency that helps companies get noticed, raise profile and generate leads in life sciences.